welcome back to We Watch Movie. I'm Mike. I'm Jay. And we've got a special, special, double special Patreon review for you today. Oh, wow. This is a Wham! book report. Oh, shit. <laughs> Rock until you drop. <sighs> Dance until your feet fall off. This is our review of the Curtis Richards novelization of the original Halloween film. We've gone through and we've taken out just about every single difference between the book and the movie, which you'll be astounded by the amount of differences, the amount of backstory they give Michael. Not in that Rob Zombie nasty fucking Skechers footwear way. Oh, shit. <laughs> None of that Rob Zombie, he's mad and he's a serial killer because he grew up in a fucking trailer park horse shit. This gives a weird mystical, fistical fucking backstory, and I'm not sure that I like it. I'm not sure I'd want it to be Halloween look lore, but it's a nice attempt. It fisted us, and we were not, like, not okay with it. Yeah, Justin, thank you so much. Justin sent us that badass one. With the new iPhone SE for less than 100 bucks at Metro, you rule. It's the most affordable iPhone on the number one brand in prepaid. So whether you're studying online or FaceTiming. Hey, Mom. Hi, dear. The iPhone SE has all you need. Switch to Metro and get the iPhone SE for $99.99 after rebate redemption and six months of service with AutoPay. Metro by T-Mobile. Rule your day. Limit one per account slash household. Requires port and ID validation. Not valid for numbers currently on the T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. Restrictions apply. See store for details. 12 uh, Halloween Michael Myers figure. Uh, you're a good dude. You've always been a huge supporter of the channel. We appreciate you. If you guys want to get in on the Patreon stuff, the link is down below. There you go. Alright, so the novelization. Uh, this is It's fucking crazy. From the get, from the opening words of this book, they describe some shit about Michael. Uh, Michael grew up in way. Camp Crystal Lake. Yeah, he's from was Kentucky. best friends with Jason Voorhees, and then a terrible tragedy happened. They ran out of floaties. Cave Michael couldn't swim. Ran out of fried chicken. I'm gonna read you verbatim the opening paragraph. Great, I love it. Because it's fucking crazy. Literally, the, 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 the wind that swept into young Michael Myers' body was one that of, of dirty lust. It, uh, yeah, it, it, dirty, got, it, it gets there. Dirty lust. Here we go. The opening paragraph in the prologue. The horror started. Prologue. Open. Shut up. With this fucking. I'm trying to fucking read. <laughs> submarine sandwich. Can I get the prologue? Pierogi. Can I get the pierogi? Provolone. You stupid. <laughs> prologue, bitch. Pierogies. The horror started on the eve of Samhain in a foggy vale in Northern Ireland in the dawn of the Celtic race. Celtic race. Oh, At once started, wedding. it trod the earth forevermore, like my dick. Oh. Nasty. Um. Wreaking its savagery suddenly, swiftly, with incredible ferocity. Chlamydia. Then its lust sated. It shrank back into the mists of time for a year, a decade, a generation perhaps. But it slept only and did not die. That's my sex life. For it could not be killed. <laughs> <laughs> it keeps coming. And on the eve before Samhain, it would stir. And if the lust were powerful enough, it would rise to fulfill the curse invoked in so many Sam Samhains before. It's about morning wood. It's a... Basically, that's it. Then the people would bolt their doors. I'm a doctor, lock your doors. Oh, <laughs> Why are you gonna be a doctor and tell me lock your doors, Sartain? What the fuck? Scant good it did them, for the thing laughed at locks and bolts. And besides, they were the unwary. I feel like the laugh Always would be like the, the laugh would be like. <laughs> <laughs> you have lock bolted doors. Me have some watch. They thought that the, the the beginning of winter was the start of like the dead, and yeah. then they were afraid that it would never come back again. Well, so. it was ancient superstition. Like back yeah. then. In those times, like they they celebrate Samhain or Halloween differently. Saw way to 
God. Sounds like a fucking goddamn discontinued Lowe's merchandise. Hey, you try to do Sawwood? No, that sucks. <laughs> so they would do traditions and things like that to ward off evil spirits because they felt like their crops would die or whatever it was. Because back then, you know, it was it was a very superstitious time. So I'm yeah. okay with that. I mean, you not see how Lucky Charms started. They would have these big festivals. They would have a giant fire. They would dance around I kind of think that's the coolest party I've ever heard of in my life. Yeah. And, and I want to go. They would also ward off uh, evil goblins and witches and spirits for, from creating uh, hamdashri. And <laughs> they would do yeah. this. And these druid Haberdasheries, they would sell hats. Notice the word druid in there, Halloween 6, the curse of Paul Rudd. Um, th these druid priests would come and they would they would dictate who was going to die in the coming years, who was going to live, who was going to get married, who was going to do all that shit yeah. like that. While this was going on, these these hot, sexy virgins would be dancing around the fire and you could smell the lust. Mbabawa! Mbabawa! Yeah. Bumblebee tuna. One of the particular versions, the most beautiful of all, Deirdre. Is she a version? I and mean, everybody wanted her the most, and there was just lust in the fucking air. Mm -hmm. This ties back into Michael later on. One, one person in the group named Inda, and he wanted her worse than fucking anyone. Now, Inda eventually is going to be the one who takes over Michael Myers, so listen closely. And by the way, that guy had a shoveled-ass arm, and he reminded me of the dude from uh, Scary Movie 2. He's like, <laughs> stop the shit out of it! <laughs> Take my strong hand, child! <laughs> um, yeah, uh, stop the shit out of it! So everybody yeah. made fun of him because he came out butt first. Well, I mean, why not? You never go ass to mouth. <laughs> he, he was born in prison. Uh, it's like he was already used to the atmosphere. So, but yeah, he came out and he was deformed. And But he liked this girl. He thought that she was really super sweet and cute and whatever. And was asking his brothers and bros, like, hey, I think my, I might have a chance. Like, oh, 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 oh. She'd rather fuck uncle's goat, Peter. She'd rather put a dog's dick in her mouth. Yeah. And he'd be like, oh, so you're saying there's not a chance. Everybody made fun of him. He, he yeah. goes up to her one day. She was on her she was washing her panties in a creek. <laughs> he walks up to her and he, he he tries to talk to her. He's like, hey. By, by the way, just talk to her. It wasn't any rapey no. thing. He literally he wanted to court her. He didn't try to surprise her. Like I felt bad for the guy. Like, oh, he, terrible. Like, yeah, it was it was it was a bad situation. Like he just. You know, she happened to be bathing her with her tits out. What do you want me to do? She ran away from him and started screaming, he's trying to rape me. Now, fast forward to, 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 to the, the night before Saw when they're having the big fire, the big dance, everybody's dancing around. Who was around. the other guy, though? They're happy. The other guy was Culligan. Culligan was a more formidable suitor for her, who everybody expected her to be with. Now, they announced this, that he was going to be the one to be wed to her. So at this great this great dance, they're dancing around the fire. They're having a great old time. They're, they're all hooked arm in arm. But fucking Endo was pissed. And he, and he felt terrible about himself. He was high on and Percocets. He had nothing to live for. <laughs> He'd been smoking that turkey. Hoo, hoo. He, he was carrying around this foot-long blade that they used to like kill goats and shit with. And he stabbed her. Not only did he stab her, he stabbed him first. He, yeah, he, he goes up, he stabs him first. The guy falls down. She looks down. Then he starts to stab her. He doesn't just stab her, but he stabs her titties. As you always call, Michael wants to slash her titties. Slash them titties Michael open. Into slash, slash her titties. Even the Ayalas. Yeah, fucking cut her up. Killed them both right there in a fit of anger and embarrassment. Now immediately, the whole group attacked him and ripped him to shreds. Yeah. All they had left was his heart and, and his head. They were good enough to stop at the head and the heart. They're like, okay, well, yeah. we got the heart. Here's a nice piece here's, of shit. Here's head. So what we can do with these? <laughs> <laughs> so what they decided to do was they had this hill, the Hill of Fiends, as they called it. Mm. Now they would they would they would bury like uh, honorable members of society in one place, but they would bury shitty fucking people. I feel like we'd be buried there. Yeah, definitely <laughs> at the Hill of Fiends, yeah. where where we that's watch where we the are. Movie goes yeah, that's where YouTube is already with us. Now now Queen <laughs> King Gwendolyn, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, King Gwyneth Paltrow said to the shaman, he's like, put a curse on be, that be motherfucker. So they put a curse on him, and the shaman put a curse on him. And let me read you exactly what the curse says. Oh. Okay? 
The curse says, Thy shall roam the earth till the end of time, reliving thy foul deed and thy foul punishment, and may the god Muk Allah visit every affliction upon thy spirit forevermore. The chapter would end with an explanation of Halloween as we know it today, bastardized from this primitive time. Well, you know, I've been married before, so it's not doing much for me. <laughs> I feel like the guy that wrote and helped to make Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, probably read this novel and took a lot of inspiration from the very- The runes. The prologue of this film. Of all the attempts at a, at, a, at a reasoning behind what Michael does, now we don't want a reasoning, it's scary to not have one, but all the attempts at a reasoning behind it and how it happens, to me, I think this is the coolest one I've ever seen. This is no, the, it's really, this it's is the well best one, out, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, and I know I keep mentioning the lust thing, but it's so funny because everybody always ties Michael to sex uh, because his sister had just had sex because she was naked when he killed her. And, the, and the, it it's goes, so nasty, though. It goes into that. It mentions at several points in this that uh, when, when he's first... Michael was fucking haunting it. <laughs> when he's first following Lori... Uh, in the station wagon, it mentions that he gets aroused, but it's not—it's not a happy arousal. It's like a, a painful arousal. Like he doesn't even like it because he never busted a nut in his life. <laughs> it's very fucking weird. But we'll get into all not that. A lot of built-up shit. So chapter two goes on, and we actually get introduced. We're in present day now, and little Michael Myers is picking out his clown costume—the one that we all know he'll eventually kill Judith in. But his grandmother's there with his mom Edith, and they're talking. And and, and his grandmother goes to this crazy story about how all you guys are all little bitches today. It's like back in the day. Saw one meant something. Halloween meant something. Back in the day, people didn't just fucking toilet paper people's houses. They would actually fucking put their wainers on the plexiglass. <laughs> Look at it. Um, they would actually cut off the heads of cows. Uh, someone cut off the head of a. Uh, someone took a hog and stuffed it in their chimney while there was a fire going. That smells just like baloney. Uh, Edith is like, hey, Michael doesn't need to hear this shit. He's already having trouble. And the grandma's like, what are you talking about? What kind of trouble? And she's like, well, he hears voices. Uh, he's been getting in fights in school. He's been getting in fights with his sister. He's been pissing his fucking bed, Jim. I do that. I did that yesterday. Yeah, I know. Well, that's not a big thing. But we all know. It's whatever. It's rubber just the sheets. Alcohol. Rubber um, sheets. But uh, yeah, he's been pissing his bed. All this I stuff's been going on. He's not. He's not killing parakeets like in the Rob Zombie version. But um, he has been hearing voices, angry voices that tell tells him to hate people, that tells him to do mean things, and and, and things of that nature. The light just went out. I did. Saw one. I got darker. <laughs> the bogeyman. I got darker. Um, the grandma mentions now, and you were right. Uh, the his great grandfather. Um, <laughs> his great grandfather right. Nordstrom. I'm probably saying that. Wrong, but Nordstrom, the great grandpa, did almost the same thing that Inda did. He eventually went to uh, the grand dance and he pulled out a revolver and shot dead a couple right there. So, so this has happened. This is something that's sort of tied to his family line in a weird way. They don't exactly. They don't. The they detail. never connect them. You go on and you meet Judith for the first time, and she's butt naked in front of the mirror. I love how they describe her too. Yeah, but juicy. It gets juicy butt cheeks. Real deep. <laughs> Danny shows up, and, and Judith's like, "I got to the house myself. No fucking Michael to deal with. None of that shit." But Michael does show up with a group of trick or treaters wearing his clown ma mask, and the kids are like, "Hey, give us candy." And she's like, "What if I don't?" And one of the kids' voices from the back goes, "We'll kill you." And she's like, "Michael, was that you?" Like she knows her little brother's got immediately some fucked up shit going on. Red red flags. Yeah. Red flags. But they leave. They go on. Danny comes over. And they, they, they give him more they, of a backstory. They do. Uh, yeah. And they describe the sex scene in detail. All they've ever done before is fucked in a car. Yeah. But tonight, mommy's not home. We're going to fuck in the bed. She literally, as he takes her bosom, <laughs> round fucking mouth. Everything they have built 
fucked, we will tear it down! She's like, so this is what it's like to have sex in a bed. And I was like, Ooh. damn, dude, take her to a Wendy's. Whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> At least once. But yeah, they go in great detail about that whole sex scene, but that is when you find Michael on the street having his thoughts, and they go really deep into his thoughts, and it, and it talks about how Michael is, is the voices come inside of his head, and he's suddenly enraged at the, at the, at the noise that they make, yeah, the fact that they're together. And it's like, it's, hearing his parents like that never bothered him, because he could tell it was out of love, but there was something about the way that they were um, He was disgusted. Fucking, he was disgusted by his sister. It enraged him, and that's to where the lust comes, though, yeah. the sweeping lust. To a point of like... Sweeping lust. Oh, sweeping. Yeah, it's, it's all about Street lust. sweeper. God Robbing damn. sex member. Michael just wants to get off. But yeah, it was, it, there was, there was, it was an unnatural rage that came from nowhere that in the novel it describes that Michael is, is hearing the, the sounds of ecstasy from his sister and her boyfriend and it just fills him with this poison, this undeniable rage that he wants to end her life for whatever you reason. You ever just have to jerk off? You're like, I have to jerk off today. Yeah. Verbatim, uh, the, the moment Michael feels this, it says, it was the voice. The verse stirred... <laughs> I've got very close veins. Yeah. Uh, it was the voice. The voice stirred up the hatred. It had done so in his dreams, and now it was doing so in real life. It had begun with the strange pictures in his head at night, pictures of people he'd never seen, or maybe in comic books or on television, but never in real life. People in strange costumes, animal skins, armor, leather, drinking and dancing wildly around a fire, back to Inda and that whole situation. One couple in particular, they looked like Judy and Danny, madly in love with each other, dancing in a circle around a huge bonfire while he, Michael, stood in the crowd, hating them, burning up with jealousy. Then a voice come to his head while he- You gonna fuck my sister? <laughs> <laughs> Put it back! God um, damn! A voice telling him to stop the dancing lovers. A voice has become louder, clearer, and more demanding lately, and as, as it dictates uh, more- uh, and it- and it dictates more compelling. And I can't read. He had he Fucking had assholes. he had begun to believe that he'd listened to the voice, did it what it told him to do. Maybe the voice would go away, leave him alone. It was no longer a dream voice. It spoke to him during the waking time too. It had spoken loudly to him tonight, even as he went from house to house begging candy, even as he played his games at the party. It had directed him to return home and at I, once, and, and that's what he did. He does it. He, he the, does uh, it just yeah, like the, yeah, movie. the novel plays out exactly yeah. like the film. A little bit more detail, but not much more. The only absolute, the, the only difference. He stabs her like a butt. Well, Thirty-one to. 50 times. The death, the, what it well, lands yeah, but, well, yeah, but the death scene, specifically when he's stabbing her, um, it, it, it's fucking vicious. Like, yeah. it, the way that it's described in the novel is way more vicious than you saw on, you know, the I mean, original. I, I pretty much translated direct. I mean, I, I well, felt like I know, but the like, they said that he's stabbing her fucking vagina. I don't remember. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, they said that he stabbed her. You read into a little bit. I did not. <laughs> no, no. I Mrs. Did, Silk Underwood. I didn't want to read it. Like, I didn't want to fucking have that happen. But, like, he was like, the first thing when she holds her hand up and he's, he, you know, he cuts her hand. But then he stabs into her chest and there's this squirt of blood. And he, it's like, it's talking about how Michael is getting exquisitely into this. Like, he's loving it. And that smell is, like, making him fucking get off. Give me back that flare fish. Give me that fish. Oh. <laughs> And then he looks down at the flesh that used to be his sister, and it's unrecognizable because yeah. of how much he fucked it up. And, and basically, he says he, he could have stabbed her anywhere up to 50 times. The official coroner's report says 31 times. 50. So, you know, anywhere between 31 and 50, you can go with. But, yeah, the only actual, like, legit difference between the movie... 
Um, all the way up to he walks outside and he takes off the mask and he hears the voice saying Michael and it's his parents. Uh, the only difference is in, in, in the book, he stops. He feels an insatiable hunger out of nowhere and he stops <laughs> at the fridge like I do when I wake up in the middle of the night and I, I got like two hours before work and I'm just like, I'm going fucking donut. And I just like chuck milk. That's what he does. He feels his hunger and he stuffs a cookie in his mouth and, and, and he drinks milk, milk yeah. and then he wipes it away from his face leaving a smear of milk and blood. It's the grossest fucking combination of I all mean, time. You know just what? imagine, just be like, mm, oh, fucking, your sister's titty blood and milk on your face. When traumatic shit happens, face. when traumatic shit happens, like, get that vitamin D milk. Oh, man, Go yeah. ahead and do it. But that's that's the only difference there. From there, you take it off, and we go to the court case. Uh, the court case does a lot of actually what the uh, television uh, version of Halloween did. It adds some backstory. Uh, the, the judge is talking, and he's talking about this little boy, and they got to the point where they, they questioned the boyfriend. They were even mean to the boyfriend because they were like, it had to be him. This well, he just fucked her, and there was semen in her, so. So they, they had assumed. And this kid's so angelic and innocent seeming and, and, and he's basically admitting to everything. He's not denying anything. I kind um, of imagine Michael uh, Michael Myers, this young kid, saying it in a very calm, um, musically kind of way. You know, like, you know how little kids are? Like, they're, they don't really, they're not really, he detailed all of it, but it's not like in a way that's vicious. You know what I mean? Like, he, he was saying it kind of like if he had been reciting a bedtime story or something to someone yeah. and as they're talking to him and he's describing this brutal heinous act that he did and for whatever reason he wanted to do it and he was fully in control he knew what he was doing the judge of the case of the case presiding over it is still taken aback by the kid's age because I think the novel does describe that you know the laws were set up in a way that they could try him as an adult, but he wasn't quite yet a teenager yet, and there was so it was a really hard case to uh, to, to actually look at. And the the judge knew that the the original presiding judge in the novel knew that he was fucked up. Like there was major problems. This motherfucker has snorted Xanax off a donkey's dick. It's bad. And, and like he's like, I don't. I feel bad about sending him to the um, the institute. And, but I, I gotta do it, like I gotta do it. And he does say that on his 21st birthday, he'll come back to stand trial again for the murder of Judith Myers. As Once, an adult. As an adult, yeah. But, unless, now, uh, but only if he continues to show signs that this, that this sort of behavior would continue. But then you get introduced to Sam Loomis right. at this point, and Dr. Loomis is the, the guy that takes over the case of Michael Myers and starts treating Michael. But you do get to the point where he's talking to the judge and saying that he doesn't know why he doesn't have any concrete evidence, but Michael can never be let out again. There's something about Michael that's not natural. There's something about Michael that's not normal. And that basically Michael has had the run of the yard. I'm gonna show you how it's done. I'm gonna Give me your snack pack. I'm gonna show you how it's done. Make you say, Daddy, I don't want none. Like Michael has basically, con like he has made the, the worst bullies in the asylum his bitch. And the, and the guards and everything else, because there's something what what Dr. Loomis can't he never says supernatural. Dr. Loomis in the novel never never says supernatural, but there's something about Michael. Something about it's very it grabs a hold of him well, tightly. Yeah, well, it's very it flows uh, like a harp to him. Daily and daily nightly. nightly. Will it ever stop? Yo, I, I, I don't, don't know. know. I mean, I'll turn off the lights. It'll glow. But Dr. Loomis is aware that there is something on the edge that is doing something for Michael. He doesn't know what but it's off. There's yeah. something off kilter about the whole thing. Uh, Helter Skelter, you know, if someone fucks with him, he won't do anything physically, 
but then something really awful will happen to them later on. So Michael's got the run of the show. And the judge is like, this is all, what the fuck are you, how much peyote did you smoke? I didn't smoke enough. Yeah. Obviously, you <laughs> are just Judy Wannabe. Like there, and you know he has these arguments with the doctor or with the judge, and the judge is like, "Well, if unless you bring me concrete evidence, I'm gonna let Michael go." Yeah, and and actually that that brings us to a point here. I want you to actually read this because it's actually a, an excerpt from the book of Loomis reading. But yeah, like you said, uh, people, weird things are happening. Like one guy played a, a salt prank on him when he turned over the salt shaker. <laughs> Kick his ass, sea bass. Um, salt <laughs> shaker. The, salt. the guy woke up with stomach cramps. Uh, one died. One kid messed with him, ended up with a rash. Uh, all this crazy shit's yeah. happening, but Loomis can't prove any of it and the judge is basically like look the only reason I'm even listening to this is because of your great reputation. And he's like, but you better bring me some hard evidence or I'm letting this kid go because you sound like a crazy person. But here's the actual scene here mm -hmm. if you want to read it in Loomis's voice. Judge the boy's story and attitude haven't changed a whit since the hearing. Though I've spent nearly two hours a day with him every day for six months I have, have nothing to go on but my experience and my hunches. And I tell you out of the depth of all I have learned and observed in 15 of exploration of the human mind, Michael Myers may be the most dangerous person I have ever handled. Do this you, week only. Do you, Sudoku? Wendy's fries only one dollar. Wendy's fries is only a dollar. I'm already there. <laughs> but yeah. So at one point, Michael Myers asked Dr. Loomis. The judge says, "Hey, go. Get, you better give me some shit, or I'm letting the kid go." Mm. So the next thing that happens is, is Michael asks Loomis, "Can we have a Halloween party?" Yes, we can. And Loomis is like, "You little fuck! What you?" Have but then he realizes this is my chance to there catch was, this little fuck in the ass. I like what you said though, because there was one moment that they, they do describe in the novel where Dr. Loomis is having a session with Michael, and Michael's talking kind of like he did in the Rob Zombie remake of like, well, what night? I don't remember anything. And he was like, well, the night you killed your sister's titties. And he was like, I don't remember it though. And he was like, I know what you're doing, Michael. No one else knows, but I know. You lit up that... There's recording. But... Too bad you couldn't learn that with Jamie. Yeah, well... He had learned his mistake. Fucking it! First one. <laughs> but yeah, Michael Myers asked for this Halloween party. Loomis looks at it as a chance to catch him in the act so that he can keep keep him locked up in Smith's Grove. He wants evidence. Yeah, yeah so, they, so they have the Halloween party. They're playing musical chairs. And this this one little girl steals Michael's musical Ice chair. Box from and little Loomis giants. is like, aha, now I've got you. Uh, I can't deal with this thing on. Um, but yeah, so uh, the, next, the next setting, the next piece of the Halloween party is they go bobbing for apples. Now Loomis knows this is the perfect time for Michael to drown this little bitch right in that fucking apple trough. You like your apples? Well, you gonna love this fucking deep dish. <laughs> it's like, much like Halloween too. <laughs> he tried to fuck that girl in hot tub. Oh, um, God damn, Michael. But yeah, so the little girl goes to Bob for the apples. What Loomis doesn't suspect and what happens next is that the lights go out in the gymnasium. Now when this Baby, happens... Baby, when the lights <laughs> go out Loomis runs towards the, towards the... Knowing that this has to be something that's gonna happen, he runs towards the, the apple bobbing machine. <laughs> He runs towards it and tackles the tub, yeah. knocks the tub over. The lights come back on. The little girl's sitting there. She's almost drowned. She starts to spit up water or whatever. Michael's all the way across the gymnasium, like, fucking shooting lamps you know, yeah, LeBron. You know, he was like... The way, <laughs> the way the novel describes it, they do CPR on the girl to pump her lungs, you know, out of the water or whatever. And then she spits the water out and he looks over and like he's looking for Michael. Dr. Louis is like, what? And then Doc, <laughs> Michael is like standing he's over. He's got the pumps. Like Michael, he's standing over under the basketball. Like uh, it says under the basketball uh, backboard. He's like. <laughs> he's like, I'm feeling much better now. <laughs> it's all a new point though, because the judge 
It's, the it's the judge hell-bent on making Loomis provide proof has a, has a massive coronary and dies. The new judge that they brings in is far less sympathetic to Michael's shit. He buys Loomis's whole spiel immediately and says, yeah, whatever, fuck that kid. Locks Michael up for 15 years. And then this is when we get back into the actual movie because the next scene you have in the book is chapter five uh, is Michael and, and the nur or, uh, Loomis and the nurse driving up to the sanitarium. Everything plays out exactly like it does in the movie except for one little scene where <laughs> Loomis gets out when they see the, the mental patients everywhere. Loomis gets out and he asks the mental patient what's going on. He probably asks him where Michael is. I have a toaster that lives. <laughs> when Loomis gets back in the car, the nurse says, what did he say? He's like, he asked me if I could find his purple lawnmower. <laughs> I mean, that's an important question. He but then, well, no, I mean, it was true. He probably did ask him that, but he was like, you know, also the inmate is excited and uh, and they're, they're, they're ecstatic because the inmate also says to Loomis, the evil is gone from here. And that's and, and this one the yeah. inmate says it rather than yeah. Loomis. And that that actually was fucking cool yeah. because like you notice all the uh, when you watch the original movie and you notice they're all like kind of outside and they're kind of like you didn't get to see much of them but in the novel it explains that they're doing celebratory things a lot of them are like spinning around like yeah fuck yeah. hit me baby one more time boom bitch uh, I'm Britney bitch uh, and they're doing that kind of stuff and then like. Macarena, macarena, macarena. <laughs> Yeah, and they're doing that kind of stuff, and it's because they know that the evil of Michael Myers, because just like a dog would notice or sense it, even the most psychopathic person in that asylum knew something was bad wrong with Michael Myers, and they never wanted to fuck with him or, or stay around him. So he says, the evil is gone from here. That's, that's fucking cool. To, I mean, if they had put that in the movie, I would have been fine with that. Like that was cool, and, and then uh, kind of direct correlation to Halloween 2018 too, because you remember when when they talked to Michael, all the inmates yeah. around him were going crazy. because they did because they noticed that like dogs again, like they they have this sense their hackles get up. And, I mean, um, you also what's different? They find a dead movie. security guard. Yeah, and and Loomis is examining it, and that is that gives Michael the chance. And by the way, another difference is that Michael does let out a growl or or a sound of uh, pain. She does something to him uh, in the car in the novel. And it makes bites him, his hand. Bites his hand, yeah. And he lets out a fucking growl of pain, like he fucking does, bitch. He does that several times. My finger. He does that several times in this too. Uh, and, and like when he, when he gets stabbed, he will let out a, a dark howl. Like mm. he'll, he'll, but he never fucking Rob Zombie talks. Um, but yeah, so that so that whole scene happens, and then a lot of the stuff plays the exact same way. You introduce Laurie the exact same way. A lot of the shit happens the exact same way. The only difference between the interaction between Laurie and her dad is they go a little bit more into the backstory of the Myers house and how her dad had a terrible time selling it. Everybody in the town knew what had happened. Finally, the only reason she's dropping the keys off there is because this family from New York who doesn't give a fuck about New York Hill, uh, has bought the house, and he refers to the house as the white turkey. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> a butterball fucked me in the ass. Uh, but they go a little bit more to that backstory, but that's pretty much the only difference there. Now, Loomis goes through the exact same beats. There's a little bit longer of a conversation between him and Dr. Wynn, but pretty much the same yeah. stuff. Uh, he stops at the same gas station. The only difference with this one is that Loomis has a wife. He also has a small kid. Or not a small kid, but he also has a son. That's a big one. Yeah. Because as he soon as he, his wife. I like how he said, like, like, he had to take a piss. He had to figure out what's going on and then call his wife. And then he... He prioritized in the least important, I'll call my wife. <laughs> no! Not since Thursday. <laughs> she probably asked him if he'd pissed. <laughs> no! Not since Thursday. Yes, I'm alright. Stop worrying. <laughs> After this, I'll sleep for a week. Two weeks! <laughs>
<laughs> but for now, I must stop him. Of course, it's possible. <laughs> it's like Adrian and Rocky Ford. You can't win. But I know him. And when he gets there, God help us. Okay, they drum his finger. Because at this point, Dr. Loomis is like drumming his finger. He's like, all right, get the fuck over it. <laughs> I'll call you Monday, Linda. <laughs> oh, listen, dear. When they come around trick-or-treating tonight, why don't you just not answer the door? <laughs> I know it's ridiculous, but just this once, could you be a goddamn solid? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's weird. Like, he doesn't... It's almost like he doesn't give a fuck that he has a wife. And, and it, literally, the novel explains that to the least importance is that he calls his wife first. And then later on, uh, there's a scene where, uh, in, in the movie, where Loomis and Brackett meet, and, and, the, and the toy store's been broken into, and Brackett says, give me 10 minutes or whatever, Loomis thinks about his son, and how his son was telling him, hey, it's amazing you can buy alcohol, but not weed, and his son thought, yeah, but still it'll be decades before they fucking sell headshots in Hattonville, you know? And that's basically it, but in this, yeah, he, he has a wife and a kid. But, uh, one of, there's a lot of stuff from here on that's mostly like the movie. A couple of main differences that you find out is they go a little bit deeper into the Laurie in the classroom scene where they're talking about fate. Yeah. They go a little bit deeper than that, and this is the first time Laurie sees Michael. And in this, they explain, um, she sees him the same way Tommy sees him by the schoolyard, whereas neither of them are even sure if he's wearing a mask. It just looks like a really, really fucking pale guy. Staying they, in the shadows. They both explain that his eyes are extremely purple, and, and his lips are extremely yeah. red, well, they, blood-stained red. Weird. I think I, I didn't think we were dealing with the goddamn Joker here. By the way, I, I didn't like the way they described him. The dark. It's hard see, to tell if he had the mask on even. But no, I mean see his lips. Right? You wouldn't see red lipstick. I mean, yeah. they, they actually at, at one point they do describe a red outline of a mouth. And I'm like, what the fuck was Michael doing? He's like, Weird. I saw this on QVC. Also, difference. Uh, Tell some the grip. Besides the more exploration of fate and that overall theme of of Halloween 1978. Uh, that they do in the classroom in the novel, they do, uh, there is a different scene. Uh, when Tommy is getting bullied uh, and he drops the pumpkin, Michael doesn't stop the kid, you know, that one of the bullies that's running out of the gate. He actually goes up to Tommy and Tommy is trying to pick up the pieces of the pumpkin and he sees this weird guy and he was like, you know, trying to talk to him and then... Michael wasn't, the kid was trying to talk to him. Yeah, Loomis, yeah, I mean, the kid, uh, Tommy was trying to talk to Michael and Michael's just standing there in the shadows and he can't really make out what he looks like. He did see a scar on his chin though. So well, it's well they weird. said that like a zigzag scar on the face. I, that's a fucking. It's hard to tell mask. if Michael had a mask on or what was. Going I don't on. know. What was, yeah, that that was kind of unsure. But Michael does make a move for Tommy, and then Tommy runs away, and then Michael gets back inside. Like, you run away from me, motherfucker! I'm gonna tell you what it's all about. You got you need to join Golden Glove Boxing, uh, and you know gets in the car and does that whole scene. But the reason why Michael was following Tommy was based on that scene, and in that scene originally in the novel. Not originally, but in the novel, Tommy was running down the uh, the block, trying to get away from this crazy, weird guy that had approached him in the schoolyard. So. Yeah, and, and we go through a lot of the same beats. One interesting thing that happens when Lori gets home, her mother's actually there in the novel, and her mother actually gives another little piece of strange backstory, or a little hovering piece of information, where she talks about how they... Because uh, Lori's been thinking a lot since she dropped the keys off to Meyer's house, and he sees her there. Mm. She, he reminds her of Judith in the novel. Uh, and there's one point in the novel where he's looking at someone else, and he's like, she doesn't remind him of Judith. 
with, but then again, they don't have to. They don't even have to be women. Yeah. So there's there's a there's a keen interest to Lori based on the fact that, that that she reminds him of Judith, but it's not this overwhelming sense that it has to be her. But when Lori gets, Michael just wants to kill. Yeah. When Lori gets home though, she, her mom's there talking about it, and she brings up the Myers killings or whatever because it's been bothering her. She's been thinking about it a lot. But her uh, her mom says, but it's interesting that you mention it. If you went to church more often, you'd understand why. Ooh. Lori says, huh? She says, yes. You see, the Myers case was mentioned by Reverend Peters in last Sunday's sermon. Peters. Um, <laughs> he started uh, reminding us that Halloween was coming up this week, and, and there's there's kind of a theme here that like. And throughout this entire novel, that Halloween as we know it is this retail sort of thing. Like, it's not the real shit that Halloween's yeah. really about. Um, and then she says, um, he started by reminding us that Halloween was coming up this week, and he said some real interesting things about the origins of Halloween and how it goes back to the festivals aimed at warding off demons at harvest time way back when. What does Myers have to do with the case? Well, Reverend Peter said the Myers case, which happened on Halloween 15 years ago, reminds us that true evil still exists in this world. He said that, like everything else, we've tried to deodorize evil and put a bright, put, put it's a right guard on that bitch from Charles Barkley. Put it in a bright new package and you can buy it at the supermarket for five cents all, cents off with a coupon, which the grandma was bitching about too. Yeah. She's like, this isn't some fucking hoochie poochie holiday. Then along comes something like the Myers case and we're left with our mouths open looking into the, what do you call it? The heart of darkness. Maybe that's why God puts devils like the Myers kid on earth to keep us aware of the darker side of human nature. I like that. That's a possible conjecture that's, into that's, why Myers but that's, exists. But that's a really cool fucking statement and that's a really cool, and the, it, like, God damn there are things about this novel that I would definitely have never included in the film, but stuff like that, like pretty it cool. just adds that like, I would have put. Yeah, in the film. it adds that was pretty the cool. ambiance to what's fucking happening and what's going down. It's that perfect. It doesn't explain it, yeah. but it adds a layer of thought behind it, like which it. is the great thing about Myers. And, and this this whole novel does a great job of all of that. The only thing I really didn't like about a lot of it, and I can understand why they they included it because it would make sense from the druidic connection that Michael always has had this. Boner. That's, he, what, that's exactly what I was going to yeah, say. Uh, he always had this fucking boner when he wanted to kill somebody. He always had this fucking thing in his. It, it, like, I think the novel describes his sex between his legs was throbbing with delight. Every time he looked, I'm like, God damn! And I'm like, I mean, so Michael Myers was killing all these people and he, and he had the longest wood of all time. He was like, <laughs> my sex is on fire! I think one of the things that you always translate to serial killers that like, a lot of actual serial killers that exist inside, they, they had a, they, a lot of them had a repressed sexuality in some way. Some of them were gay and ashamed of it. Uh, all these different things, all these serial killers throughout time. Uh, one of the things they tied into this that was really interesting is the, my favorite part of the novel actually comes from what you, what you hate, not the throbbing membership, exactly. I don't like um, that. But they do. This this book provides you something that no uh, no film or nothing else really does, and it gives you some shots from Michael Myers' point of view. Not only as a kid with the voices as we mentioned, but at the point right before he kills Annie for his first kill, they actually say from Michael's point of view, it says he returned to the main house and watched some more. The sex between his legs throbbed in an unpleasant way. The voice was whispering something he could. Chris make. Hansen comes up from the left door like what are you doing here today? cookies and condoms what are you doing out of night uh, the voice was whispering something to him he couldn't make out yet but he knew that if he waited it would get louder so he is being directed by this end of voice by this feeling that he has him that's why it's almost why he waits in the shadows he's not gotten his directions yet in a weird sort of way but there's a there's a scene earlier where they mentioned that um, Michael gets aroused but not in a pleasurable way it hurts like it's uncomfortable and in this it says the exact same well, thing I mean, he throbs I, I, but not in a pleasurable way I, I always like to think it's of a repressed hate for his own sexuality he gets off on killing people, but he likes it. It's a fucked up word. I can get, like, I can understand, like, that could be a real serial killer. 
that does that kind of shit, but it's Michael Myers. Like, I don't want Michael Myers to be a goddamn sex fiend that he's like a fucking, uh, like a rapist. It's not that, though. Well, it, because the way that it reads, if you guys read this, you guys should definitely check it out either way. Um, to me, it read in those parts, it, it felt like I was reading the goddamn novelizations of Norman Bates thinking about his mother. <laughs> like getting a big boner, I get, looking at women in the shower because he sees titties and a vagina and is like, I love my mom. <laughs> and like, I mean, I don't know. Like, but the thing is, Michael Myers having a boner while he's fucking killing people, it didn't really do it for me. I know that in this novelization, Did he's make being your sex throb. No, well, not mine. Like I went to Pornhub <laughs> afterwards, though. But I mean, it, it did feel I like I didn't know why. It, it felt like uh, they were they were trying so hard to rely on that druidic thing from the beginning of the novel to kind of tie into this. But they never they never said that the uh, Edna guy or whatever the one that was that was shunned by um, Deidre. What had had a fucking boner? That's what I was gonna say. Though. Yeah. So I mean, I, I know, but I'm just saying, like, I, I didn't like that part. I just felt like it was it was too. Like, I I never like uh, you have Freddy Krueger, who's a pedophile. Like that's what he is. Jason just kills because he wants what, to, to please his mother. I I don't want to think of Michael as a fucking rapey dude that just wants to get off on, on the fucking side, and that's why he's killing people. They also mentioned in the book though that that the time he killed Judith when she was butt naked. It wasn't the first time he watched her through the keyhole. He'd watched her several well, times. But He'd seen her naked. He'd watched her from afar. And well, like, maybe, and we were, well, that was before the internet. But the, the thing the <laughs> thing is, though, I, I get what you're saying. Like, you don't want to think Michael as a, as, as, as a, a rapey dude. dude. Yeah. Like, you, you don't want to think of him like that. But for, for a long time, people have connected Myers to, like, this arousal, this strange arousal, because the first kill he had was his naked sister. And almost a shame over that. Now, the book ties into that, because think about it. When Enda goes up to that girl, that's his first... He's full of innocence. He, he's this fucked up, ugly dude, but he still has this heart of innocence. That th he thinks he thinks because he loves her and his feelings are pure, mm -hmm. that he has a chance with the most beautiful girl of all. And he goes up to her and, and she screams rape and she completely fucks up his head uh, when it comes to women and sexual experiences or whatever, because automatically you tie love well, to okay, sex. So, yeah, and I think no, that I fucked him. And, and when you go back to serial killers, a lot of that's tied to sexual, uh, um, what? Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just Gratification. Se sexual fucked up in this. Or, 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 God damn it, what the fuck? Deviant. It's deviant. Not, it's no, not deviant. Um, wow. When you hold something back, fucking what? Repressed sexual rage. That's oh, it. That's okay. what I was looking. Well, for. he's not gay, but <laughs> no, I know what you mean though. But yeah, okay. So if you're gonna if you're gonna do that though, in the novel, you have to take out Michael Myers as an entity at all and say this is just this fucking leprechaun motherfucker from the Irish days enacting his vengeance they on all girls that turned him down. Well, I know it is, but I mean, in that way, it's stupid. It's even more dumb. Like, I don't want I don't want to have Michael be a rapey dude, and I definitely don't want some fucking leprechaun from the old days of the druidic days to be like, I, no, a girl rejected me. Stabby, stab, stab. Enda, the soul of Enda, though, to me, the soul of Enda goes back to, like, with a lot of these other people. The soul of Enda doesn't know how to process sexual feelings, so it's not an actual sexual feeling well, he wanted, he's having. He wanted to do the girl. The like first sexual her. feeling he had is tied into this horrible, embarrassing, humiliating fucking moment, and that ties it into anger. So when he feels a sexual impulse, it's fueled with rage, well, I mean, and he wants to kill instead of fuck. So it's really not a sexual thing. I don't know. He hates his boner. Well, he hates his. Dick. I know, but I don't think you know. Even at that point, Michael, Michael Myers, <laughs> as a, as the entity that he is, that we know, if you're novelizing him. 
he should have, he should be no more, if you're gonna go inside of his thoughts, the, the voice is raging in his mind and what he's gonna do, his body reacting, his sweating and whatever, that's fine. Him getting a boner though, it's like, it's going to goddamn Fifty Shades of Grey. Like, you want to throw that in there, like, you feel you need to do it, and you don't really need to I get, do it. I get what like, you're you saying, could be, but... like, you could be a slate cold environment where the sex part of it doesn't even play in. The fact that you want to see their blood, you want to see vengeance enacted for whatever reason from the past is directing you to do it has nothing to do with your fucking dick getting hard. I think I think I think psychologists of serial killers everywhere would completely disagree with No, what no, said. but he's not but he isn't different. He's not a psych, he's not a classical serial killer because no. he's being influenced by the ancient supernatural. He's a classic serial killer. He is a classical no, he's a classical serial Crimes killer. of rage. And no, he shouldn't get. Okay, <laughs> not all of them get their fucking dicks wet and hard for fucking killing people. Some of these people do it for it's, no way, reason right. except they want to do it. My my point is, if you read into that and you read it like that, I feel like I'm watching a goddamn Norman Bates movie about why he wants to fuck his mom and he wants to call all the girls that come up to the hotel. That's what he's doing. Norman Bates is classic understanding. He had a weird incestual relationship with his mother that he never got fully over, and that's why he killed all the women that looked like good-looking girls. The Freudian thing goes back to the psychology of But I don't think Michael Myers, Michael Myers wasn't even in control of his own brain, because his voice from the past was telling him to do all this stuff. But it was the one However, giving him these feelings. Well, it's, not, it's not little Mikey Myers that's feeling this boner. The, the, by the way, I do like the fact that they do mention the fact that the voice is stronger now, uh, because Michael had already killed at this point, and they said when he does kill, he thought Michael Myers thought like that would be enough to satiate. Yeah, and then he when realized he's to Annie and Bob. He but starts yeah, to but then he was like, "Dog, I I reached old Madden level. I'm at old Madden level now. Before I was pro. Now I'm old Madden level." And like he's like, "Oh, it's gonna take more. It's gonna get." More. I thought when I got to forty in Halo, I'd be satiated. <laughs> but no. I've got to get that fifty. Where's my general? I can feel it pumping in my five veins. stars. <laughs> and that's what he does when he goes later on. And he sees he sees Annie and Bob. It, it, it actually says it says after that incredible moment of thrill as he plunged the blade into the dark-haired girl's abdomen, being Annie, slit her stomach but open it, to the it, ribs. It was a lot more vicious. Um, he had come down to a state of euphoric calm for a while. He thought that the lust was permanently destroyed. Charged and the so, voice quieted. That was how it had been then with Judy, but then he'd been six years old. Now it was different. The sight of the couple on the couch brought new stirring in his body, and the voice whispering to him once more. He knew this night. Okay, was well, not let me over. ask you a question, uh, and you guys can answer it as well. Do you think at that point that Michael Myers, the actual human being of Michael Myers, wanted to stop? Like he, like whatever was left of his psyche, whatever, whatever human part of Michael Myers, he said he thought that it would stop then. Like he, he was like, okay, it's been it's been satisfied. Like I can stop. I I can I can turn myself back in. I can go back to Dr. Loomis. I can stop. Like do you think that he wanted to? Yeah. Like, do you I, think that in a way he was like, fucking got my dick hard! And I, I fucking came as I slit her fucking throat and all that stuff. Well he probably did. I think and then he's like, okay, I'm I'm done. I think I think dude it took hold of him at such a young like he gave in to the voice at such a young age that at this point he's comfortable giving in to it. It's all he knows. Well, so he wonder, just lets it take over. I don't think little Mikey Myers fights it at all. Yeah, but his but in the way that it's reading in the novel, in the psyche of Michael Myers at that point. He thought the euphoric state had passed and it was all good. Yeah. So he probably was thinking like, okay, I just shot myself with some heroin of sex and drugs and rock and roll, and now it's good. I'm good now. I got my fix, right. and I can go back. But it didn't stop. There's because also now he's a 21-year-old man because the demands are higher, and the voice knows that. This That's the only thing. Like The entire time I'm reading this novel, it's great. Like, okay, by the way, the guy did a phenomenal job writing it. 
the entire time I'm reading it though, I'm thinking like this is not really what Michael, Michael Myers is a victim in a way because he's possessed by this fucking druidic Irish thing. Mm-hmm. So well, I mean, he can still be part human and be a victim. But, he's just he, like I said, took hold of him at such but, a young age. He doesn't of, know anything else. Well, it kind of pulls you out of the whole character, though. Like Michael Myers not having a backstory makes him more scary. I think it keeps it in the in the mythos in a, in a good way. So it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's different, but yeah. okay. Uh, but no, and that's what I was going to say, though. Like, uh, there's a point in the, in the in the book where he actually mentions Michael knows now that he's gotten out. Uh, it says Michael, he still kind of thinks like a child, yeah. though. He, it says at one point in the book, he's like, well, now that I've got out, uh, they can't stop me this time because I'm a full-grown man. <laughs> like He's like, I'm big and you can't tell me well, what to do. Do you remember what Loomis says? He's like, Loomis said, uh, well, uh, the nurse says, well, why didn't he just walk out if he had control of the staff? He's like, because he had it made. Yeah. He had it made in the asylum. He, he didn't have to do anything. He had it made. Yeah. Shawshank Redemption, Andy <laughs> Dufresne, you wish. A lot of the stuff, a lot of the beats, a lot of the exact things, things are the exact same. So we'll get to the very end of it now. Really, the only big difference between the end of this uh, of the movie and the end of the book is that Lori uh, stabs him in the dick. She stabs yeah. him right it in the dick. growing. It does uh, say at that. One point, and the, and, All the way up to the fucking guts. And he, he lets out a huge howl, like at one point where she stabs My dick! Oh, you did not! My widow! Not! <laughs> I did not get stabbed in the dick. I did not. Tell me apart, Lisa! <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, but you can see here in this novel where um, the writers of Halloween 2 actually took lines from the book and inserted them in the movie. Before all this stuff's going on, Loomis actually talks to somebody else uh, when he's going up to the house where Michael is, and the guy's like, Is this the joke? And then Loomis says the classic line is, or the guy's like, I've been trick or treated to death tonight. You don't know what like, death is! Yeah, that's actually in this book. Uh, not only that, but uh, at one point, when Loomis shows up to save Lori. He shoots Michael off the balcony just like he does in the movie, but he starts to reload. He's going to go finish the job. Dude, I, I, a lot like they mentioned in Halloween 2018. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I, I really got excited when I'm reading it because it was 1978 when this novel Did came out. Did you have out. sex member throb? So hard. <laughs> uh, but when, <laughs> when, when Dr. Loomis walks down the steps with, with Lori in tow, and he's like, I'm going to make sure. I thought that Dr. Loomis was going to come up, hold the gun to Michael's head, and right before, like right in the exact moment he was going to pull the trigger, a, a, a weird or Haddonfield cop was going to tackle him. Will Patton was going <laughs> to tackle him to the fucking ground, and then that's it. The perfect time. That's it. And I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. yeah! Like that's what they got it from. But no, would have been the perfect. It didn't time. happen that way. But yeah. Uh, but no. Uh, but but he does say the line from Halloween Two. He's reloading the the gun to finish the job, and she's like, what are you doing? He's like, heightens my sense of security. <laughs> Just like in Halloween 2, James Bond. Cool. Yep. Uh, but in this, the only difference is he doesn't look over the balcony, he walks downstairs, he goes around the house, and he looks down where Michael should be. Michael's gone, just like in the movie, and uh, the actual novel ends on Laurie standing behind him saying, you know, was that the boogeyman? He's like, yes, I do believe it was. End of the novel. Um, I mean, amazing. Wonderful read, you gotta check I, it out. I'm gonna do the Shia LaBeouf. It's Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Shia surprise. Shia surprise. Uh, yeah, it was like the novelization is great. Uh, the backstory is there uh, for anybody that wants to enjoy it. It's there. Uh, as far as like giving a little bit more of a characterization to Laurie Strode and and her friends and the boyfriends and all the happenings between is all there. There are some really good stuff in the in the novel. And there are some really bad stuff in the novel. I, I there are things that I don't think at all agree with the movie over, like over time. I I think that if you had had. 
the fact that Michael just got off on shit. I understand psychologically why that would be a thing, but I don't feel like it fits in the Halloween uh, franchise or the uh, mythos of Michael Myers. However, I do think it's a novel that everybody should check out and, and watch and, and appreciate and love and, and, and put their, their fingers on. Into the night. Deeper and deeper. Deeper and deeper. Get mine that fucking yes. vagina. Uh, I think the novelization's fantastic. It's not something I would necessarily... I'd have to think on it a while if someone asked, hey, do you want this injected? It's a reflective piece, yeah. for sure. Like, do you want this injected into the movie? Uh, I don't know. Uh, again, as we mentioned, I'd rather keep Michael in the secret, float him right in the middle. We don't know if he's supernatural. We don't know what his true intentions are. But as I said before, of all the conjectures about why Michael does what he does and the backstory and the reasoning behind Michael, if I had to go with one, this is my absolute fucking favorite. Yeah, I think this yeah, did yeah. The, the greatest job of all of them of attempting to give Michael a backstory. Bravo for that. It's a really hard thing to do. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a great fucking read. So you guys definitely check it out if you're a Halloween fan. And that's the question of the day, really. How do you guys feel about Michael's throbbing sex member? And that sounds like a joke, but I actually mean it. I bet it's five inches. We discussed it quite a bit here. How do you guys feel about that? Because a lot of people think that there's there's a, some sex motive in there. So comment well, down that, below. That's just because they want to fuck Michael. Why do you always want to fuck <laughs> Not a that psychopathic I, I think it's interesting because it you know ties into the psychological circles. But he just becomes Ted Bundy then. If you make it that if you make that the only thing that drives him, yeah. But it, that being a little bit of the background, a little touch of some fucking sexual frustration. Uh, it's kind of weird. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't like it. I'm sexually frustrated all the time, and I don't want to kill somebody. I don't know if I want it in the movie, but the thought that that's there in the background is kind of cool. So, comment down below, listener. Justin, thank you, man. Fantastic fucking Patreon pick. Uh, guys, comment down below. Uh, we love your fucking faces. If you're new to the channel, click that subscribe button and get some goddamn way of Fucking get a megaphone next time. It'll be like less loud. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> My sex is on fire. You're a throbbing member. Oh god, I gotta put it down. We watched a movie. Yeah. We watched a movie. We watched it. We watched a movie. Yeah. You know what? We did review. We watched a movie. Right now, switch your family to T-Mobile and get four lines for $25 a line with AutoPay and 5G access included on America's largest 5G network. So don't wait. Get unlimited and nationwide 5G access for the whole family for just $25 a line. Visit a T-Mobile store or T-Mobile.com today. Plus taxes and fees. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using over 50 gigs a month due to data prioritization. Video at 480p. Unlimited while on our network. Qualifying credit for plus lines required. Capable device required for 5G. Coverage not available in some areas. Some uses may require certain features. Ctmobile.com. Tone out with Nevia by Moen, the spa shower that offers double the coverage using about half the water, making it look, sound, and feel totally different. Learn more at moen.com/nevia.